European Union has not treated us well. Stupid European elites jumping off the cliffs once again. Yes, you are the guilty people and you refuse to accept it. This is EU Scream, the progressive politics podcast from Brussels. I'm James, a journalist who's crisscrossed Europe for 15 years now, covering politics and the economy. I'm Tom. I've been a lobbyist and spin doctor in Brussels for many years, and I've spent the last decade fighting climate change. In this episode, Manfred Weber, the German who wants to become the next head of the European Commission. Has Weber tainted his candidacy and the broader European project by acting as an enabler for the illiberal reign of Viktor Orban of Hungary? First, Tom and I discuss nicknames for other European politicians, including the Frenchman Michel Barnier, who is negotiating Brexit on behalf of Brussels. Hey, Tom. James, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. I'm all right. Yeah, good, good. What's your, um, your favourite nickname for a politician? Or, like, what is your favourite rhyming nickname? Ah, it's interesting. This one comes, like, right out of my childhood, in fact. My favourite one is Maggie Thatcher Milk Snatcher. Also... <laughs> Also, Thatcher, Thatcher, Milk Snatcher, which I believe was the cry at uh, various acts of civil disobedience in response to her stealing of the milk. What she? So why don't conservative politicians steal milk anymore? <laughs> well, what, what could, when did they stop? <laughs> it falls in the same category as who ate all the pie. Yeah, they've stolen all the milk. Uh, it actually happened, I believe, in 1971 when Margaret Thatcher was the education secretary under Prime Minister Heath. And the Treasury were putting a load of pressure on public spending around that time. And first she took the milk off senior school children and then off junior school children. What does it mean, taking milk off So this was every day as kids. And I still remember this because you still got milk for a few years afterwards until it was completely phased out. And we used to get it in these little kind of mini milk bottles, glass milk bottles, from the school. Every day, every kid in the school would be given one of these mini bottles of milk and a straw... And it had been uh, made a provision, I think, just after World War Two, basically when milk was rationed and, you know, they needed to be making sure that kids were healthy and that kind of thing. And um, she was known as Margaret Thatcher Milk Snatcher, as far as I know, throughout the entirety of the rest of her career. I mean, there are still a lot of people in the UK who primarily remember her for that. Very good. Very good. So are you ready for a little quiz about other nicknames of European politicians? Yes, definitely. Good, good, good. This time it's not multiple choice. Okay. You have to guess it. Oh, wow. You have to okay. use your noodle. Oh, wow. Okay. Did you drink your milk as a child? <laughs> right. We're about to find out. All right. Number one, can you tell me the nickname for former Italian Prime Minister Matteo Renzi that was also the title of a book in which he was compared to another former Italian Prime Minister, Silvio Berlusconi? Oh, wow. Uh... Berlusconi, Renzi, Berenzi. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty not, good. Not bad. I like Berenzi. <laughs> I like Berenzi, but um, no cigar. Uh, Berlozzi. Pretty good. I like it too. Uh, it wasn't like a Matzil or a... Or a <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you... Renzio. That's really good. That's actually better than what the answer is. Renzio is better than the answer. So it's Renzusconi. 
Renzu Sconi. That is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it sounds like a really complicated pizza. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's got like pineapple on it and eggs. What? I hope there are no Italian listeners. Who they don't. It? They don't like those no, kind no, no, of no, jokes. No, totally. Yeah, you're yeah. you're playing with fire there. It's Renzu Sconi, and it's from a book from 2017 by a journalist called Andrea Scanzi. Scanzi said in an interview about this book that Renzi has less talent than Berlusconi because he is less good at doing bad things, and he is not an evil genius like Berlusconi. So not exactly in what I would call the objective journalistic tradition. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Renzu Sconi. Question two. Yep. Can you tell me the nickname for Michel Barnier, who has been appointed by the European Commission to do the Brexit negotiations on behalf of Europe with London. Ooh, the silver fox. Pretty good. You're starting to sound like you admire this man, at least his appearance. You called him dapper in the last show. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but he's well-dressed. And... Uh, it's his nickname in France. I don't think you're going to get this one. No. I'm going to help you out. Go. It's the Cretin of the Alps. <laughs> really? Le Cretin des Alpes. Des Alpes. It's, 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 it's just offensive on every level. First of all, this is the French educated elite looking down on a man who didn't go to the elite school of public administration. And so that's kind of overall where this is. He's basically a mountain hick. He is a montagnard. Now, it kind of gets worse because it also suggests a reference to the 18th century Alpine Valley dwellers who suffered brain damage caused by iodine deficiency. So it's just revolting on every level. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I hope all the people who are using that name feel better about themselves. Yeah, but it's, 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 fairly, it's fairly widely used. <laughs> Question three. Can you tell me the catchiest of all the nicknames given to Viktor Orban, the Prime Minister of Hungary, who is leading the entire European project down the toilet in the name of illiberalism and bashing migrants? Well, my favorite one, obviously, is, is that great... Jean-Claude Juncker line where he refers to him as the dictator. The dictator is coming. Dictator. Pretty good. Getting warm. Which is always a good one. Uh, uh, the dictator. Yes. Aha, yes. So the dictator is a name he was known by in Hungary well before Juncker, the commission president, jokingly called him dictator in comments at a European summit. Do you know what country Orban comes from? Uh, wow. What um, country would a dictator come from? One of the stands, potentially, like Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan. How about Orbanistan? <laughs> nice! Brilliant. So, so Hungary gets referred to as Orbanistan. Half in sort of shame, yeah. half right. in self-mockery. Right. right. So we're about to talk about Another guy who's earned a nickname, Manfred Weber, the leader of the party of the European Conservatives. Yeah, this is a really interesting thing. So Manfred Weber has been the head of the EPP for a while, the European People's Party. But he has been very, very inconsistent in terms of whether or not he thinks that beliefs of people like Orban have a place 
inside the European People's Party. Yeah, and have a place inside this party that is foundational for the European project. Totally. Okay, so let's go into the show, Weber the Enabler. Manfred Weber is the leader of Europe's largest political group in the European Parliament, the European People's Party, or EPP. As the center-right establishment party, the EPP has long been the dominant force in politics at the EU level. Weber now wants to take the global stage by succeeding Jean-Claude Juncker as president of the European Commission. The job description includes dealing with Brexit and negotiating international trade deals. Weber stands a decent chance of getting that job, despite the fact he's never even been a minister in the German government, let alone a national leader. That's because his EPP group appears likely to win the most seats in elections for a new European parliament in May, and because he has powerful German backers. But to many observers, Weber has come to represent a kind of moral black hole, where European values go to die. They say he is engaged in a craven political calculus that makes him unsuited to run the commission. The charge is that Weber failed to act soon enough to expel a wayward member party, Fidesz of Hungary, led by the country's autocratic prime minister, Viktor Orban. Orban has been violating European norms and most recently insulting EU leaders. Even as this podcast was being edited, Weber was coming under unprecedented pressure to expel Fidesz. And since the interviews for this podcast, a sufficient number of national parties have come forward to get the issue onto the EPP's formal agenda. Weber told Spiegel of Germany on Friday that all options are on the table. Continuing to keep Orban's party on side has political logic for Weber. It should help him with the parliamentary arithmetic that keeps him in pole position for the presidency of the commission. But it still isn't a good look for Weber. The party he leads has split between pragmatists like him, who say they can handle Orban, and those who no longer want to pander to Orban's bigotry and his thinly concealed anti-Semitism. Fidesz still remains a member of the European People's Party, and that's the issue that is now coming back to bite Manfred Weber. That's Heather Graby, the director of the Open Society European Policy Institute in Brussels. He didn't take this issue very seriously for a really long time. It was just a small thing on the sidelines. Yeah, he got a bit of criticism here and there. It wasn't a big thing. Now people are saying, is this man really fit to be the president of the European Commission when he has, on his watch, um, a member party of his party group has tried to squash NGOs, it's restricted academic freedom, put in place extraordinary laws which are not compatible with EU law on treatment of migrants, particularly asylum seekers. And it's also damaged democracy in Hungary by essentially stacking the media with pro-government figures and also by reducing the independence of the courts. So who is Manfred Weber? We asked for an interview and his team declined at least for now. So here's Weber in his own words, in a video that's part of his campaign for the commission presidency. My village is Wildenberg, a small village in Lower Bavaria, close to the Czech and the Austrian border. And there I know everybody who is living in this small village. 
was starting my activities in the youth organization of the Catholic Church and also the youth organization of the CSU, my party in Bavaria. There I experienced what it means to stand for an idea, to argue for an idea and to fight for an idea. Well, the first idea to stand in front of people was not as a politician. It was because I was a guitar player in a band. I stood in the first row of the band. And that was for me an interesting experience, to be connected to people, to listen to them, to look in the eyes of the people and to get an idea what they want to have next. I was already with 29 years a member of the Bavarian Landtag. That was for me a great thing. But then after two years being in this parliament, I had the opportunity to go to the European level. And I was not thinking only for one minute, I was immediately deciding myself, Manfred, that's your future. One thing that wouldn't be in Weber's EU future is experience in national government. So I asked Axel Voss, who is a fellow German and another powerful member of the European Conservatives, how much respect Weber would command in an EU top job. And what kind of leverage would he have with Fidesz and with Orban? I would consider the chancellor or the prime minister or whatever, all the big guys in the room are totally aware that uh, he is the man who is leading the biggest group in the parliament. And from this point, they take him very seriously. If he might be one day ahead of the commission. I think it's uh, very helpful that he isn't one of them, and I would say this is what we need now. Weber has said he doesn't want to aid and abet people who would undermine democracy in Europe. So how would Weber go about making sure that doesn't happen in the case of Hungary? Ah, this point I, I can't really predict uh, what's happening, but uh, Manfred Weber has made very clear his point regarding Hungary, and I think this uh, has been heard in, in uh, Budapest and especially uh, Viktor Orban. But of course, everyone has to be on board or going their own way at the end. But this has to be decided later on. And this is a decision I don't have to make personally. But if we would give up Fidesz, then of course we can't influence them any longer. And do we really want to give Fidesz up and still better to have a kind of a speaking channel open also to Hungary. We hear next from a Hungarian, Annette Bösch. Bösch is an independent, liberal lawmaker who sits in the parliament in Budapest. She is no particular fan of Weber or of the European Conservatives. But she still hopes Weber, should he become commission president, can influence Orban to bring Hungary back from the brink of full authoritarian rule. I really would like to trust him because uh, um, uh, I'm really waiting for the European Union to help the Hungarian opposition and to help the Hungarian society to recreate our democratic system, to recreate our rule of law, our market economy even. So everything missing right now from the country. Bush also is mindful of geopolitics. She says Weber and his allies may actually be protecting European interests by keeping Fidesz and Orban 
inside the conservative family. She worries that expelling Orban risks pushing Hungary even further back into Russia's sphere of influence. I really hope that there is also a kind of counterpower in the Conservative Party family of the European Union that wants to keep Viktor Orbán's party in this family because they want to create a, a counterpower against Putin's Russia, against those political powers that want to break the European uh, integration and the European Union. If the European Union loses him, then uh, it can cause a disaster. Seriously, because uh, it can be a model that an Eastern European or a Central European country can leave the European Union and can run into the direction of Moscow. Judith Sargentini is a Green member of the European Parliament from the Netherlands. As the author of a damning report on the erosion of democracy in Hungary, she has been a key player in the EU's psychodrama with Orbán. The approval of her report in September by 448 votes to 197 marked a historic moment. It was the first time the EU legislature had voted to start proceedings against a member state for systemically threatening the union's founding values. Weber and many conservative members eventually voted in favor of Sargentini's report. But she still chastises Weber for failing to expel Orban and his Fidesz party which would strip them of the respectability that they get from being part of Europe's conservative establishment. The European People's Party is a very mixed pack, and most of them are real Democrats and pro-Europeans. And in the end, two th- in the two-third majority that I had for the report, of course, completely depended on the EPP, and the majority of the EPP voted in favor of my report. I'm happy with that. Manfred Weber voted in favor of the report and I thanked him for it. But of course, he's an intelligent man and he thought to, to show also towards Christian democratic parties in Western Europe and in Scandinavia that he is a man of values, he needed to vote in favor of my report because his colleagues in the Bavarian CSU didn't. So while keeping the 14, 15 Fidesz seats, is he not risking to lose seats with the, the Dutch, the Flemish, the Swedes, etc. by playing this game? I don't know. And he doesn't even want to get rid of the idea that he is the enabler. Uh, recently, the I only know the acronym AKK. Germany's Conservative Party has a new leader, Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer. She takes over the reins from Chancellor Angela Merkel, who was clearly rooting for her to win the contest for the party leadership. Formerly state premier of the Saarland, AKK, as she's often called, edged out a strong... She came to Brussels to embrace Weber, but at the same time made the point that Fidesz should stay a member of the Christian Democratic family. Uh, so they're all playing with that. Sargentini says recent attacks by Orban against his own European conservative political family, in particular against European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker, are neither puzzling nor surprising. Orban, she says, has little compunction about whipping up false fears around the idea that the EU is flooding Hungary with Muslim migrants. After all, 
It's part of Orban's bogus narrative to his Hungarian supporters about how he's the savior of a Christian Europe. Today I saw a new campaign by the Hungarian government, taxpayers' money, portraying Juncker, the president of the, of, the, of the commission, a member of the European People's Party, so a member of the family. How can you do that? A campaign, again with George Soros and Juncker, about how Brussels is trying to push the migrants upon Hungary. All old news. Now, this to me says one thing. What does a guy have to do to be thrown out of the family Please throw me out. I want out, but I will not do that myself. You need to throw me out because I need that for my campaign. That's what I read in this. After the attacks on Juncker, a growing number of European conservative parties are up in arms with Fidesz and Orban. On March 1st, the National Coalition Party in Finland said that Fidesz had finally crossed its red lines. A day earlier, the Flemish Christian Democrats said the path of dialogue and warnings hadn't worked to moderate Fidesz. The two parties are among several that are preparing to launch a process that could result in the expulsion, or at least the suspension, of Fidesz. For Laurent Pesch, the head of the Law and Politics Department at Middlesex University London, that process can't start soon enough since Weber and the German Christian Democrats been so unwilling to initiate it themselves. Uh, he's being complicit in uh, what we are seeing uh, happening in Hungary. I remember one of his red lines from uh, two years ago, which was quite clear. I thought respect for academic freedom was identified as a red line. And what did we see uh, when essentially the Central European University is being slowly but surely kicked out of Hungary? He just expressed his uh, disappointment. I mean, uh, when I go to the shop and I don't find the product I'm looking for, yes, I'm disappointed. But I would have thought uh, that uh, he would have essentially enforced his red line last December, but no. So which leads me to think he's unworthy of the position of president of the European Commission. Can you imagine him in charge of uh, launching infringement actions against Orban? I mean, he would simply not be credible. And uh, what would happen when the commission, uh, should the commission decide to actually withdraw infringement proceedings with uh, Weber as president, people will start wondering, obviously, whether this is due to an objective legal assessment of the situation or whether this is simply a kind of a thank you note uh, following the eventual uh, votes for his candidacy by the Fidesz uh, uh, MEPs uh, in June. So, in what ways does Pesh think Weber and his European conservatives have violated statutes and norms by keeping Fidesz and Orban inside of their political family? As a law professor, what I would say is that Manfred Weber is violating not only EU law, but also its own EPP statutes. If you read the statutes of the EPP, they are supposed to be under a duty to promote EPP values, which happen to be the same as the values on which the EU is based. So uh, long story short, uh, rule of law, democracy, respect for human rights. Uh, the issue then, obviously, is what to do when a European political party stops uh, complying with this obligation. We have actually with a, a colleague of mine, Professor Alberto Alemano, on behalf of an NGO known as the Good Lobby, we did write several times to the European Parliament to initiate an investigation of the EPP, but um, 
there have been essentially we have not been successful so far because we are being opposed some procedural um, uh, restrictions, uh, which I think are nonsense to be blunt. And with the EPP in charge of the European Parliament, obviously, you have an obvious conflict of interest. So this uh, kind of a remedy was not really properly thought of. This is why we have also uh, submitted a complaint to the European Ombudsman regarding the European Parliament's uh, procrastinations regarding our complaints. Uh, so essentially, uh, when institutions or political parties fail, I guess it's for individuals and civil society groups to get together and essentially act as guardians of uh, EU law. And when we have mainstream political parties normalizing extreme views, that's the beginning of the end from my point of view as a European citizen. It's time that the Hungarian people is not given the facts. I'm going to teach you specifically expressions we can use when we hear a joke or when something funny happens. When something funny happens. The dictator is coming. Dictator. Ha, ha, ha. The dictator is coming. Dictator. That's EU Scream for this week. You can check our website at euscream.com for links to topics discussed in the show and for more episodes. Please rate us on iTunes, tweet about us at EU Screams, and like us on Facebook. EU Scream is edited and mixed by me, James Cantor. Tom Brooks and I produce the show. Laura Natali plays our piano. Thanks for listening.